so we so we had a mission statement and we lived by that mission statement for years uh, it was on the wall it was probably i don't know we had it maybe in four or five places around the office we had it all over the place actually but yeah. if you would ask someone what the mission statement was no one can remember it. <laughs> yeah, it's like, a, it's like a paragraph. It all sounded great and it all made sense, but it was like a paragraph. And then we shift to shifted to core values, four core values that are critically important. And everyone knows them. They're memorized. We all have them. And the way we got to them was not easy because at first, sometimes the exercise, the exercise is much harder than you can imagine. It's really hard exercise. And it took me, what, you know, 17 years to figure that out. Hello and welcome to the Business Growth Accelerator. This is Isar Metis, your host, and the person you're listening to is Dan Fantasia. Dan is the CEO and founder of Treeline, which is one of the nation's top sales recruiting agencies. Treeline consistently wins Best Places to Work awards, as well as fast-growing companies in the region and in the nation, which means the combination of doing the right thing for their employees causes them to be a very successful company. And since I'm very curious about this topic, I invited Dan to share his thoughts on the topic, as well as practical steps that you can implement in your business in order to do the right thing, create the right environment, build a winning culture, and have a fast-growing business. As a result, at the end of the conversation, we're also going to talk about some major changes that are happening in the sales world today, which are absolutely fascinating. Growing a business is tough. Believe me, I know. I'm a serial entrepreneur with three startups behind me. One went public, the second busted because of bad decisions by the CEO. That was me, by the way. And the third grew to $100 million in sales as part of a larger company that got sold. It took me 20 years to learn how to do it right, but now I'm on a quest to get you there much faster. I'm hosting senior business leaders, entrepreneurs, and world-class experts. Together, we search for gold, strategies, systems, processes, and practical tips that you can implement to grow your business. You will hear fascinating business stories, really funny moments, and lots of actionable business tips. Welcome to the Business Growth Accelerator. Hello and welcome to the Business Growth Accelerator. This is Isar Metis, your host. And if you've been listening to the show for a while, you know that I'm very passionate about companies who have strong core values and build positive company cultures. I truly believe that it's one of the keys to long-term success of a business and that companies who are built this way will outperform their competition. And hence, I'm recording this mini-series with CEOs, founders, and leaders of companies who follow this theory and are built around clear core values, strong company culture, which drives amazing success to these businesses. Dan, who is my guest today, is the president and the founder of Treeline. Treeline is one of the largest companies in the nation today for placement of salespeople in other organizations, and which makes it even more interesting, right? Because salespeople are usually not the kind of people you would expect to fall into the category of best places to work kind of environments. And yet, Treeline has been consistently winning best places to work awards by multiple organizations and in parallel, winning fastest growing businesses, Inc. 5000 and so on, which again proves my point that being a good employer by taking care of your employees, by building the right culture, 
you build an amazing infrastructure for a fast-growing, successful company. So we're going to talk about how, as a leader, you can create a positive company culture on the day-to-day. What are the things you can and should do in order to do that? What are the benefits of it? And so on. And again, since all these topics are close to my heart, I'm truly excited to welcome Dan to the show. Dan, welcome to the Business Growth Accelerator. (laughs) Yeah. Isa, thanks for having me. Super excited to be here. So I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. I, I want to start really with, with the why, right? Why does it matter? Why is it important for somebody who is a business leader to be a great employer, to create good culture in their company? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean I'm sure it's different for everyone. But for me, I've, I've worked in environments. The, the last company I worked at was a, a pretty cutthroat environment. And I promised myself that I would start a new company that was about the people and the employees and really just create an environment and culture uh, of success and satisfaction and happiness. And some people are deceived. They think work is someplace you have to go and be miserable, but you can make work really fun, you know? And so if you can create that type of environment, it all works for the best. Production goes up, happiness goes up. I mean, it's just, it's awesome. I love the fact you use the word happiness. I my my favorite business book of all times and and one of my favorite books of all times and the one that I give gifts most like the most gifts that I ever gave as books is pursuit of, uh, not pursuit of happiness delivering happiness yeah. Yeah. by Tony Shea yeah, and it great. definitely falls into like make everybody happy and everything turns for the better. Sadly for Tony Shea, you know, that was taken away from him, but I I agree 100% with everything you said. It's about the people and and making them happy. Let's talk a little bit. You said you touched a little bit of that. You figured it out from a very personal perspective. What did you kind of vouch to do differently? Like what were the things that you identified that like, I don't want to do one, two, three, or I don't want to have this and that in my company? I, well, I, I think what happens for, well, if I think of it in my experience, when I, when I look back at my last company, if you don't keep your eye on the ball as an executive, and you're not developing the culture, then what happens is it just drifts away from you and it turns into something that you have little control over. So the last company I worked at, I love the people. I, I'm still great you know, friends with the, the past CEO. The company's no longer in business, but I have a great relationship with all those folks, the other managing partners. And even when I left, I had a great relationship. And I, and I told each and every one of them, I wouldn't compete with them because I didn't believe it was right. I would, I would start on my, on my own laurels and, and build a company from there. But what happens is, is if you don't give guidance and leadership and you don't lead the way to having a positive, proactive culture, then it, if you assume it's just going to happen, it won't because there are, there, are, there are different outside influences that build this culture into something that you may or may not like. And then once it's built, and especially when you're in a competitive environment, if you let it go or you don't have any you know, hands on the reins, it ends up turning into something that you may not like. And that's basically what happened to the, the company I was at. And as a result, I, I, I left because, not because I wasn't successful, I was the number one rep in the country. I left because I, I wanted to build a, a more positive, healthier environment and culture. I love that. I want to kind of like summarize what you said, because there's two points as the subtext of this. One is as the leader of the company, it's your responsibility 
to create that culture and B, you need to constantly invest in that. Otherwise it drifts away. So it's, it's, you know, when people think about, and not all people, you obviously think differently, but a lot of people think about, okay, what are my responsibilities as a leader of a business? They usually think strategy, they think finance, they think operations, they think a lot of people don't think culture. And yet to, to me, and I'm sure to you, that's the operating system. That's will make all the other things tick better if you can figure it out. And hence, it's one of the key responsibility of you as a leader of the company. Do you agree with that? I'm 100%. Yeah. It's a, it's a, you're always working on it. And sometimes as a CEO, you think of maybe business and that your, your key priority and focus should be growing the business, but you have to carve out time and <laughs> make sure that part of growing the business is most of growing the business is making sure that your employees are they're happy and you understand what makes them happy and what's important to them because what's important to them might not be what's important to you. So if, you, if you're not talking to them and communicating openly with them, you'll never get the honest dialogue that you need to continue to grow as a successful organization. Okay. I love what you're saying. And I think it's a great segue for the next set of topics that we're going to talk about, which is the how. Right. So, okay, I want to create a great culture. Awesome. That's a great slogan that you can put on the wall. But what are the things, first of all, how you start with this? Like, how do you even approach this from a conceptual perspective? And then we'll dive into what are things in the day to day. So, from a conceptual perspective, how do you start defining what's a healthy, happy culture that you want to create? By talking to your people, I think, to understand. I mean, you know, one of our core values is do what's right. And so we actually interview. When we interview, we interview around our core values. So we're asking questions to understand another person's core values to see if they fit within the company and within the culture. Because if they don't, if they don't understand or consider our core values important, then they're probably not a good fit for our organization. And then we, you know, we're built around honesty. So no one in our company ever feels threatened. We believe in you know, open, honest dialogue where you can speak honestly and truthfully about what your feelings are because we're not perfect, times change. And if we're making mistakes or if uh, we don't understand or have a pulse on what the organization is thinking or feeling at that moment in time, then, then it can easily get to a point where you're, you think you're doing the right thing, but you're not because you're not listening. So I think open, honest dialogue and communication, you, people need to be able to trust that whatever they say is not gonna be held against them, but instead it's gonna be used to make the company better. Some ideas are great, some ideas aren't, we talk through all of them. No one's offended because we built this culture of communication and open, honest dialogue. And so as a result, we can all easily talk about it. And once you've established that, so once you understand your core values and you hire for your core values and you understand that it's an open, honest dialogue and everyone can talk freely, then the question is, you know, how often are you talking to your, your team, right? So we do something every quarter called Start, Stop, Keeps. It's a, it's a survey that goes out. It's anonymous. The team fills out their answers on what we should start doing as a company, what we should stop doing as a company, what we should keep doing as a company. At the end of every quarter in our quarterly meeting, we discuss all of the ideas that came up. And then as a company and team, we talk about if we like them or not. Other, you know, other, you know, other individuals, other employees will look at some ideas and say, that's a great idea. Or I, I'm not in love with that idea. And so by doing this, now we're all part of the dialogue 
We're all about making the company and culture better. And we're all coming up with these ideas. So there's no looking back saying, oh, I, I don't like the environment because there's so many opportunities to talk about how to make it better. And it's not just the environment, by the way, Sarah. It's, it's products, it's services. What are we doing? It is, I mean, it's, it's everything. So you said something several times, which is about communication. And you, you talked a little bit about the frequency of it. And said once a quarter, you do this thing, which is, I think is brilliant, right? Allowing really everybody in the organization to A, suggest idea and B, participate in the conversation of whether this idea is something the company wants to do or not, or stop, or depending on the things, what happens in between? Like, how do you maintain the open communication and dialogue between Q1 and Q2? I'm sure there's more opportunities for people to raise their voice or for you or for other people in leadership to get feedback from the team. Yeah, what we do, so we do, we do short meetings every day, right? So every Monday we do a, a company huddle. Actually, every Monday we do a combination of huddles, but every Tuesday morning we do a company huddle. We talk about good things, like what are the good things that have happened on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, we do additional smaller short huddles to check in and make sure how everyone's doing well. And then on Friday, we do another company huddle and a talk again about, you know, good things, what good things have happened in the week. And then on a monthly basis, we, we or on a weekly basis, we ask the, the team, we ask the company and, and the employees or the teammates, you know, who has shown or demonstrated that they're living our core values this past week? And every individual will write down, not everyone, but if you feel as though someone demonstrated one of our core values, doing what's right or competing to win every day, whatever it is, you write a note as to who did it and what the example they displayed was. And then at the end of the month, we share all of those different core values and the examples of people living them on a daily basis. And that really kind of, that basically sews us all together. We know we're all living the core values and working hard and we enjoy, you know, working with each other. I love that. I mean, we do something very similar. We're a smaller company, so we literally call it out live every week on our Monday company, uh, All Hands. Yeah. Kind of like uh, it's literally a slide on the weekly presentation that says caught being awesome on core values. And we call out people and stuff that they did. I think what you're doing is just a way to scale it to have more people be able to participate without doing a two-hour meeting of yeah. calling people on core values. But I think the key taking from this is this is a mechanism that allows to take the core values from being a plaque on the wall to really being the operating system of the company because everybody wants to be get the accolades at the end of the week or the beginning of the week, depending on when you do that. And the way to do that is to take actions that are aligned with these things. And so I, I love this idea. And anybody who's listening who's not doing this in their company, I highly recommend doing that. It's, it's, it's a game changer. I agree. So you touched on a few points. We you mentioned core values several different times. How did you come up with them? Because a lot of people struggle with that. Like, how do we come up with the company core values? First of all, when kind of like in the lifetime of the company did this happen? Like how big, how much time, how much time the company existed and how many employees you had when you started kind of like putting this, setting it in stone? And then what was the process to get there? Yeah, so we, so we had a mission statement and we lived by that mission statement for years. Uh, it was on the wall, it was probably... I don't know. We had it maybe in four or five places around the office. We had it all over the place, actually. But yeah. if you would ask someone what the mission statement was, no one can remember it. 
Yeah, it's like, it's like a paragraph. It all sounded great and it all made sense, but it was like a paragraph. So, um, so most of ours, let me see, the company, we're 20, we've been in business for 21 years. We had a mission statement probably into about four years, five, four, four years ago, five years ago or so. And then we shift to, shifted to core values, four core values that are critically important. And everyone knows them. They're memorized. We all have them. And the way we got to them was not easy because at first, sometimes the exercise, the exercise is much harder than you can imagine. It's really hard exercise. And at first it seems at first, you might feel as though it's kind of fluffy, or why are we doing this? Especially when you realize how much time goes into figuring out what your core values are. So for me, it took a long time to buy into, uh, you know, what these core values are and why it's so important. And and that was a learning experience in itself. And it took me what you know, seventeen years to figure that out. But once you do sit down, and by the way, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to. So we would sit down as a as an operating committee and then we would sit down as a company and we'd review and talk through what we think the core values would be and everyone would talk it through and as a company we were trying to identify what is most in, what is most important if your company is really large then you know you focus on your OC or your operating committee to come up with you know these core values and then you kind of disseminate it down through the rest of the organization but and and they may in small groups talk to their teams but anyway the point is you, 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 you really have to work hard to figure out these core values. And if you think you can sit down in a 30 minute meeting and complete your core values, it is unlikely. If you complete them maybe in three months over time, absorbing and digesting what you think they should be and kind of lightly writing them down and, you know, working through three months and saying, wait, is this really a core value? Is this really most important to us and our company and our culture? And so it's a tough exercise. Seems so simple. Seems like you write down a couple of things. There it is. But to really understand your core value, your core values, it's probably going to take a lot of iterations and a lot of repeat meetings and a lot of time where, by the way, people just get sick of it and burnt out. And like, how many times are we going to talk about these core values until you lock in? And then once you lock in, everyone's, yeah, I'm so glad we did that. And then everyone understands them and it's, it's, it's just woven into the, the fabric of our organization and we interview by them. We do talent assessments by them. I mean, we, 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 we completely function through and with our core values. I absolutely love it. I, you touched on a few key points when it comes to defining core values. And I will, I will summarize three of them that just jump out to me. One is that it has to be a team effort. It can be, oh, these are the core values of the company because I'm the CEO and I decided, well, it's going to be your core values, but people may or may not jump on the bad wagon and that kind of defeats the purpose. So it's got to be a team effort and the bigger the conversation. And like I said, there's mechanism to get it broader without slowing everything down. So one is it's a team effort. The other is you got to reflect on them. Like you can't say, oh, this is what it is. And now it's set in stones because you got to look back and say, is this correct? Are we really aligning yeah. to these things? Are they the right thing for our business? And the third thing is we already talked about is you got to build a mechanism to make it a part of your company's operations. Otherwise, they would be just like your mission statement. They will be on the wall somewhere, but nobody can, can actually talk about it. So you touched on two things afterwards that I really want to dive into that goes back again, day to day implementation of this in the company. You talked about hiring and you talked about talent management. 
talk to me about this, like the practicality of this. How do you hire based on core values? Like what's the actual process? What kind of questions do you ask to know if that person is aligned with the core values of the company or not? I'm sure it's not like, do you think that doing the right thing is a good core value? Everybody will say yes. <laughs> so what kind of questions do you ask to, to figure that out? I mean, the, well, the doing the right thing one is, is an interesting question. You may or may not like this. One of the questions we ask is, have you ever parked in a handicapped parking spot? Ooh. Just like, so si- situational. And you know what? Maybe you have. Oh, then I'd, I'd love to understand why. Maybe, maybe it was, there, there was a reason why. And maybe you are, were okay with it or, you know, not okay with it. But, I, but you want to understand. Yeah. And you want that, that honesty. But so our core values... So we, we, just as we created the core values, we sat down as a company and we walked through how and what kind of questions would be important to us to discover what these core values, uh, how, how to get, how to understand if people share these core values. And one of them, of course, was, have you ever parked in a handicapped parking spot? And that's, that's, a, that's a light question. And sometimes you can see a person will just pause and the pause is what... <laughs> <laughs> the pause yeah. is where it's you know right, should I answer the truth or not right <laughs> this is like no i would no i would never do that but like things like uh, compete to win so we had asked you know just situational regular questions well, a couple of things the, the the first thing we'll do when we're asking questions is we would try to put a person at ease and say we don't need you to sell us on you or you know why you're so great and we won't sell you on us and why we're so great I wouldn't even consider this an interview. This is just a conversation to figure out if we're a good match. If we're a good match, then the sustainability will work very well together and you'll be here for many, many years. So let's take all the pressure off. And then we say, you know, we're just trying to figure out, we explain what our core values are. And it's even better if a candidate or individual has looked at our website to understand what they are before they even talk to you. That's always very impressive. And then it's understanding what they are. And then we ask questions around, like, for example, you know, we believe in, believe in competing to win every day, not necessarily with each other, but with yourself. If you have urgency and you, you, you know, because that type of personality does well if, in, in our environment. And if you don't have that type of personality, this could be a really tough job for you that you might hate. And so I'd rather explain to you what we have here and what personality traits are successful and what core values are important to us because those core shared core values make will make you successful. And so compete to win. We always like to figure out, you know, where did they maybe play sports? Did have they always been competitive? Were they the worst person on the team and always had to work really hard to become, to make the team, right? Those are the things that we ask to understand. Do they share our same core values and do they get it? Like they're starting to figure it out because they don't feel like they're an interview. They feel like we're a very genuine company and they realize, they recognize that we're just trying to make a good match and make it good for us and for them. So let's just work on this together today to, you know, figure out if you are a good fit. I don't know if it, is that, is that, <laughs> no, no, <laughs> that's I, how I, we do it. So it, 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 answers, it answers the question. And I think it also gives a very good food for thought for people because obviously you're very good at hiring and selecting people because that's your product, right? You're, you're yeah, selecting right. and hiring people. Right. And I think the point that you're raising is very, very important to both candidates as well as employers, which is it has to be a good fit. Right. Like you can hire somebody who's a superstar, but he's not going to be a good fit. He's not going to be happy. And over time, it's not going to be a good thing for the company. 
And I've seen that happen multiple times. Like, you know, we used to, in the previous business I used to run, we grew very, very fast and you can't hire fast enough. So what do you do? Start stealing people from the competition hmm. because they, they know the job, they know the people, they have the relationships, they know the network, they understand what we do. The culture was so different that it just mm. did not work. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think as a lessons learned from the thing that you're saying is that when you're hiring people, forget about the culture thing. Are they a good fit for the way your company runs mm -hmm. or not is way more important than whether they have the skills to do the job that you're hiring for, because I think that's going to generate longer term success. And I, and I really want to hear from you because that's what you do, right? You hire salespeople and you place them in other companies. And I'm sure that people come back to you and based on your success on winning all these awards, they do come back to you. It's because you're bringing people that are very successful in those businesses. So how do you, so you touched on core values. What are the things you're looking for when you're hiring people to know they're a good fit for you or for your clients that you represent? Yeah. The, so basically core values, we like to see a track record of some stability and success because you know, we, we put so much time and effort into individuals when we help them grow their career here at Treeline that we don't want them to make a mistake or we, we, we don't want to make a mistake because the, the amount of effort and hours that go into each individual is, is so, so extensive. But we're trying to figure out, we're trying to understand their honesty, their dialogue, their work ethic. They don't necessarily have to be a direct competitor or working in, in, in this industry. That's not what's most important to us. That's actually not even what's most relevant to us. What we care about is people that have the grit, you know, to, to know that there are ups and downs in every career or every job because, you know, you're doing it every day. It's the same thing every day. If you ate the same food, exact, if you eat the same sub every single day at lunchtime, over time, you're going to burn out. And so we know people will burn out. It's, it's your ability to, when you hit that low and you start to burn out, how do you, how do you come out of that? So, so we're trying to understand, you know, their, again, it's, you know what, it still comes back to the core values. We still want to understand their core values. What's more challenging is, so finding good talent that has a track record of not jumped around too much and it's pretty stable is good for us because we hire people and they stay here for a long time. People that share those same core values is critical. What's more challenging because we're such a, a positive environment is, is when you're doing talent assessments and you're, you're identifying where people are maybe, you know, falling down. And, and the biggest challenge is, and you had mentioned it, the biggest challenge to protect your culture is, and it was really hard for us to figure out without the core values actually, is your top producers that have low core values. So when we do a talent assessment, it's based on core values and production. So a person that has low core values and high production is not a great person for our company. If they have core values are like right in the middle, we, we're talking and working through them on what the core values are and why and where they're missing. If they're really low, they would need to change pretty quickly or it's, it's just not a good fit. If they have high core values, but their productivity is low, that's a person we want to keep. We want to keep them all day long. So, so, so think about that. They're not producing at that rate, but they have really high core values. So that means that we've got to figure out what's happening. Is their activity off? 
Is the training wrong? What are they missing? Where is it off? Because if they have the core values, we know that it's a training issue and we can move them from B players to A players and, or A, A potential players just with training and, what, and all of the rest. The low core value people, if they have a low core value, then they just don't care. If they don't care about the culture and the environment, what's important to the rest of the, the, the team, it doesn't matter how strong they are when it comes to product, production, they actually end up deteriorating the culture, the environment, and they start bringing it down. Those people, you just, you can't keep. And if they have low production and low core values, they're, that's almost an immediate you know, termination. It's just something we can't, we, we can't help that person. Brilliant. I, you know, this is basically a, a matrix, right, for what's the right steps to take when looking at your employees in their journey as part of the business. And I think it's really, really smart. It allows to look at it through a very clear lens of what you need to focus on. And basically saying the first question is, is there a core value alignment? If the answer is yes, then the second question becomes very easy, which is, okay, how can we help them to be better at the stuff they're not great at? Right. And because they have the right core values, they will be easily coachable, right? Because they have the right core values. So I think it's really, really smart. What other tools do you use internally to create that environment? Like day-to-day -day things that you do in order to have people feel on board, feel a part of the business, feel that it's their company versus we're employees here. Are there any other little tricks that you guys, or not tricks, like techniques that you guys use? Well, I think, I think we're just in touch. We're always in, we're always in touch. We're always talking the whole company. So we're, you know, we have become a virtual environment, but for the majority of our business, you know, we were in an office yep. as in a virtual environment, it becomes a little bit more challenging because you're not walking past each other. You know, you're not, you know, you're not checking in. So we're a big Google shop. So we use Google chat, and Google meet and, you know, we're constantly checking in and helping when someone needs help where we're always collaborating. I mean, it's just, I guess it's hard to explain it. It's as simple as that. We, we are just always, uh, we're always just touching it and checking in, not intentionally. It's just, we're doing it because we're, that's how we are as a company. Yeah. No, I think there are a lot of small things that you can do on the day-to-day -day that require very little effort and very little time and give a lot of value, like two little things that we do. And it mm -hmm. all thanks to our amazing COO and also our, our chief heart officer, like we like to call her. She brought these things, but they made a huge difference. Like every single meal start with, what are you grateful for today? Mm -hmm. And you just focus people, like literally, mm -hmm. and we go around the table and it could be five people or seven people. So it takes another 45 seconds, right? But it forces people to think of good things that are happening to them in their life every single day, several times a day. That by itself creates a positive mindset because you have to think of good things that happen. And the other thing is at least once a day with every team, we do a mental health check. Yeah. One to 10. Like, where are you mm -hmm. on the scale? And people that are low, that. We, we follow up with them and say, okay, why? Like, is it something we can do? Do you need a couple of hours off? What's stressing you? Is it at home? Is it work? Is it a mix? And, and it really helps us constantly be with our fingers on the pulse on how people are feeling, not how they're mm -hmm. operating. Because like you said, it's, if they would feel great, they would operate great. Yeah. If they're feeling down, well, some yeah. can push through that, but most people probably don't definitely not for a long period of time. So it's kind of, again, small little things that, that I want to add to the mix of things that you can do to do it on a day to day. 
I want to switch and, and ask you on something completely different just because of your background. And I'm fascinated, you know, the whole conversation, you hire salespeople and historically there's always been a, that, that conflict between sales and marketing, right? And where do you draw the line in the sand and what's the responsibility of each? And, and I believe that there's a major shift happening in what the role of sales is versus what the role of marketing. And I want to hear from you as somebody who's hiring salespeople. What do you see, if at all, I might be completely wrong. I mean, you have a much better view of this. Is there a shift in what sales organizations are looking for as far as what's the focus of salespeople in the past two or three years? or four or five or whatever trends. Yeah. <clears throat> I'd say four or five is probably is more accurate. Sales is, it's, sales is, is always changing. So it's, it's, it's constantly a moving target. And what's nice about our organization is we've talked to so many sales organizations that we understand what's changing, what's working and what's not. And you can see the outdated organizations and you can see the, 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 the companies that are really crushing it. Content is king right now. I mean, content or queen, what, what you know, Contact content wins, right? And it's 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 not just it, it's genuine content, I guess, right? It is yeah. content that you believe that add, that actually adds value, because today sales and marketing is getting closer and closer together. Pretty much all sales organizations use they have some kind of tool, whether it's outreach or HubSpot, or they're using something that gives them the ability to drive their own drip campaigns, and so. And we're all overwhelmed by emails and outreach and LinkedIn messages and, and things of that nature. And so uh, you're finding that more companies want sellers that uh, understand how important content is, understand how to sell with social uh, resources, social, you know, social applications and things of that nature. Uh, and those that are the most creative and can think outside the box, understand how to get to the prospect or the future, you know, the future client. So it is, it's not the, we don't see as many companies, you know, sitting people down and just saying, make a hundred calls a day. And if you do that, you will get a few demos and some, you'll get some sales and just, just keep doing it. That, that's not what we're, those are not the roles we're placing right now. We're placing much more strategic enterprise focused individuals that really understand solution sales and, they also understand how to attract and, you know, kind of hook, you know, prospects basically. And, and when you say hook prospect, just to connect it to what you said before is through providing valuable content Relevant. and education. Yes, exactly right. I love that. So it's less about being a ruthless closer and more about being a consultant slash mentor to the people that you want to sell to, if I understand yeah. correctly. Yeah, it's more thoughtful, better understanding, more maturity. It's, you know, and, and by the way, in order to do that, you need to understand the market. You need to understand what's important. So a junior level SDR or BDR, they just, they don't know that as much. So they will, you know, push the drip campaigns and, you know, create, you know, prospect lists and things of that nature. But the, the most talented, they, they understand the market. They understand your industry segment. They know what's important and what's not important. They know how to add value. They, they know how to, how to be authentic. And so those, those are the, the reasons why they are so successful. 
Brilliant. I think that's a great closing for everything we discussed because that shows the, the back end of that. That's the outcome. Like if you hire the right people with the right mindset and you train them on the right skills, what you get in the back end is people who can communicate the message of your company yeah. in a way that will attract the right people, right? Across everything. And I'm sure you see that in your organization that everybody, just by talking to you now for an hour and a half or so, I'm sure that everybody in your organization are ambassadors of your organization Right. because they feel that it's their organization. It's not, they work there. Yeah. And yeah. any uh, closing thoughts on everything we talked about? We talked, we talked about a lot of things. I guess the only thing I would say is we're big believers in you know, culture and environment. And when people are happy, especially in sales, when they're happy, they project nonverbal, they just project positive energy and that is always a, 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 a pleasant you know, disposition to have when you're a prospect and you're listening to or talking to someone, right? That positive outflow, that giving of that, you know, that just the happiness, it, come, it does come through. And then when you do the right thing and you're genuine and you're not trying to sell someone, but if you can add value, then add value. And if you can't, then it's not, not a great fit. Those pieces and doing what's right. I mean, that, that those things are what closes business today and, and people buy from people. So if you can master those skills, then you'll, you'll be, you'll be a very talented salesperson. Amazing. Dan, this was fun. It was fascinating. I really enjoyed the conversation. I learned a lot. If people want to connect with you, find you, follow you, work with your company, like what's the best way to get a hold of you? Ah, you can just call me. Or email me. I mean, I, I don't, you know, my, my email address is my last name. It's Fantasia at treelineinc.com. If you want to learn more about our company, just go to treelineinc.com. Call me directly. You know, I, I, I can give you my number. It's 781-327-8102. Crazy. I, I, I want to say something. I mean, on how amazingly genuine and good atmosphere you create in these conversations. I've been doing this for two and a half years now. I've interviewed, I don't know, a lot of people. Most of them are CEOs and leaders. Nobody ever gave their direct phone number. So this just comes to yeah. show how much of an open, genuine individual you are. I really, really appreciate you taking the time and sharing with me and the rest of the people who are listening to this. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. What a great conversation with Dan. I truly enjoy the conversation. I personally learned a lot as Dan shared a lot of very practical tips on what you can do in your business in order to create a winning culture, which I believe is the operating system that can help any company be more successful. If you'd like to learn more about the topic of creating a winning culture as a way to grow a business, I'm recording more and more of these interviews as part of a mini-series that I'm recording on this topic. You can check out two more episodes that I've already released. One is episode 137, How to Build an Amazing Company Culture While Working from Home with Serial Entrepreneur David Selinger, and episode 135, How I Bootstrapped the Fastest Growing Startup in Austin by Focusing on Core Values with Emerson Smith. Both of them are the founders and CEOs of their businesses. Two fascinating conversations with a lot of practical tips as well as insights to these organizations. and. Until next time, have an amazing week. Your business growth is my number one priority in this podcast. To do that, I want to bring the biggest names that I can and get you practical tips as frequently as possible. And you can help. 
visit Apple Podcasts right now, subscribe, download, rate, and review the podcast, and I would really appreciate it. And if you want my number one tip for business growth acceleration, visit growthaccelerator.biz right now. <laughs>